I am so excited to be here. I am so excited to see all your faces. And it is truly a privilege for me to do this. Um, I want to bring you into my, um, how I study scripture. So by nature, I am a history teacher. Um, and so I love to study cultures. I love to study the social norms. I love to just study and look at how people were spoken to and how we as a people can put our lives into them and see how the scripture was spoken to them and how we can apply it to our lives. And I think a lot of times in our, in our minds, we think that we can apply our lives to them, but in turn, I really think it's the other way around. I really come by this naturally. My dad is an archeology span anthropologist, and so my life was full of museums and ancient ruins, and my kids now know the word sipa poo. It's fun for them to say and make fun of each other with. Anyway, so we're going to study a group of people that really were nothings. They were nobodies, but they were able, in being transformed in their own lives, transformed the world around them. And in Galatians 3, 28 and 29, it says there's no, there is neither Jew nor Greek, I'm sorry, Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for all are one in Christ. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed according to the promise. And so in the Greco-Roman culture, it was very draconian. They were rough, they were awful. I mean, we all watch movies about it, it's amazing, as long as you're not at the other end of the spear, it's great to watch. But living in that culture was very harsh. Also, your religion, your God, your whatever was believed in, because first of all, they had to worship Caesar. That was just a given. And then each family had their own God that they worshiped. That was all decided by the patriarch. So whether you were a slave and you were bought into the family, that's who you worshiped. Whether you were a woman and you were married into a family, that's now the God you worshiped. Or if you were a non-citizen, you were assigned what you were supposed to do. There was never anything about conversion. It wasn't like one day they woke up and decided, ah, you know, I'm just not going to worship Zeus anymore. He's just not as awesome as Athena. Sorry. You had to worship what was presented before you. Also, what's amazing is that they thought that their bloodline determined their religion. So there was really no conversion, there was no getting out of that because they were told by your bloodline, this is what you're gonna be able to worship, this is how you're gonna, um, what you're gonna understand. You cannot get past that, there is no getting past that. So Paul comes in and after he, um, after he converts to Jesus, He went out and he preached to the Gentiles, which are really the pagans. So I love saying, yeah, yay, we're Gentiles. But really, yay, we're former pagans. But these people had no value in society. Women were inferior. Actually, an animal had more value than they did. Slaves were bought, sold, killed at will. 
Non-citizens killed at will, didn't matter. They were told what to do by a Roman. They had to do it. There was no, there was no option of saying no or saying like, I have a right, I have a voice. Not, not an option. So as these people would step into, I mean, for lack of a better term, a church or a home where Jesus was being preached, they were being called by the one who loved them and affirmed them. All of a sudden now, a people of, that had nothing, they were nobodies, they became something. They had a voice. They were no longer living under something. In, the, in that moment, they were no longer living under that. They were able to be free in how they would speak, and there was a level playing field. And they understood, as Paul says in Galatians, it doesn't matter who you are. If you're in Jesus, you're in Jesus. And so... When Paul says in Galatians that you're heirs of the promise, he's reestablishing these people's bloodline. No longer is it determined for them what they're going to worship because they've chosen Jesus. Now this is their fresh, clean bloodline. It is new, it is whole, it is transforming. And so I wanna ask you what ideals, what faith, what bloodlines, have you been born into? Because we've all been born into a family, right? We've all, we all live in a family. We've all been brought up in a family. But there's certain things that we can look at and say, is this really what God aligns with? And I want to say today that God declares over you, you have a new bloodline. You don't have to live under the things that God, that the world or family or expectations have set upon you. But you have a new bloodline. You've established that within yourself. And also, the most amazing thing is that God's not afraid of the messiness of our bloodlines. He's not afraid of the brokenness. He's not afraid of any of that. He welcomes that because really he's in it. And so, here's some examples of how the first century church transformed things. So, babies that were deformed children that were unwanted, yes, I said children, or female babies because they were seen as being inferior, they would be left out in the forest to starve or to be eaten by animals. This is very common practice, and not just by the Romans, but many cultures did this. And there's moments as a mom that you think about putting your children in the woods. <laughs> There's just those moments. And as you're driving up I-70, you're like, that might be a good spot for later. Just watch out, kids. No more fighting. But I want to say that through the transformation of the Spirit of God in these people, quietly trans allowing God to transform their lives, this became a practice that was no longer seen. Because all of a sudden, with the introduction of people doing this, the, the acceptance of Christianity, for the first time, there became a value on life. Also, as much as I love to watch history movies, my husband's rolling his eyes, as much as I love to watch them and cheer them on and the gladiators and all of that, the fact is, is that I don't want to be at the end of the lion because I don't run fast. And most times I have heels on, and so that's not gonna be pretty. And so 
The gladiator games for seven centuries were practiced. So many people died at the hands of entertainment. Again, this became outlawed. Also, branding and death by crucifixion also became outlawed. These were things that were transforming a culture. And there's major declines of a lot of these things seen. So the first three centuries brought about the largest transformation of culture and religion ever attained in peace. And this is again done by a people that quietly allowed transformation within themselves to then transform the outward people, the world around them. If you look at history, nothing was ever attained in peace. It was, I have the bigger, well, lack of better terms, I have the bigger gun, I have the bigger weapon, I have the bigger army, I'm gonna take you over, you're gonna be my slave, that's how we roll. This transformation was done by a quiet, peaceful people who were allowing the breath of heaven to invade their heart, invade their soul, transform themselves, and then able to go out and transform their lives around them. The greatest thing too is, is that they didn't do this with a Bible, a Torah, a doctrine, a really awesome catchy worship song, because a lot of times they couldn't have that. It was illegal. They weren't allowed to be able to practice their faith freely. So they were able to do this by the whisper of the Holy Spirit and God in their life and sometimes receiving a word from a letter that someone had brought or an encouragement from a friend. And Jesus tells us in Mark 12, 30 and 31, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind and the strength and love your neighbor as yourself. First, we have to love God and allow God's love to pour into us. And then through that, we're able to effectively love our neighbors as ourselves. And I just wanna ask, how are you revealing Jesus? How are you in your life revealing Jesus? How are you allowing God to come in to those amazing places in your heart and in your life to be transformed? Where are the parts in your life do you feel broken? Do you feel insecure? Do you feel hopeless, disconnected? I know as a mom, so my kids are 11 and nine, and I remember as a mom sometimes feeling so desperate just for a transforming of my heart because I felt like, I don't know if I could handle another day of these people that won't unglue themselves from me. And I just wanna run into the bathroom and hide and then I realized that Jesus made their fingers small so they can crawl underneath the door. <laughs> and they just sound like little cats. And I just needed those moments of Jesus just to come in and just transform my heart and bring me peace so that I could love on these babies that he gave me in a real way without damaging their fingers. So Jesus called us to live transformed. He called us to live in a place of daily transformation, of daily stepping out. And sometimes it can be moment by moment where we are needing him to transform our hearts, our lives, our thoughts, especially on I-25 when you're wanting to wave at the people in traffic with one finger, just telling them they're number one. 
Jesus, transform me. I'm going to wave and bless them with both hands. And I'm just going to know it's okay, but I'm being transformed in these moments. Sometimes it's the little steps that are big steps. Colossians 1, 13 and 14 says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is transferring us. So that thing that we have in our life that, tra- that needs to be transformed, he's already said, I've transformed this thing from darkness into the kingdom of God, into the kingdom of the Son I love, into the kingdom of light. And so I'm just going to have you guys do this. I know it's a little practice, a little weird. It's all right. I want everyone to just quiet their heart, close their eyes, and I want to ask you to just quiet yourself and ask God to show you where in your life that he can step in and transform, where he can move in and have transformative power in your life. God, we thank you so much for today. We thank you, God, that you do transform us. We thank you that through the first century church, God, they showed us an example of how they could live transformed quietly with the Savior that loved them, that internally they can be transformed, that they can be moved, and that they could reach the people outside of their four walls. And so, Lord, God, I ask that you would transform our hearts on our minds and our spirits in this time, that your love and your light would invade every place, God, even the ones that we want to hide, even the ones that we're afraid of. God, I ask that you would just bring your peace and your abounding love into those places. In Jesus' name.